after the Bacon and Beer Fest. We, I caught it in some hole-in-the-wall spot that I found on the, the UFC Bars app that was nearby. But, um, I mean, uh, like I said, uh, when we were talking about the fight, I mean, uh, Ivanov's a, a durable dude, man. I mean, he can take a, he can take a beating just to give one. So, um, he actually uh, he actually helped me uh, win some money that night because I had a parlay with him and him and Chikugian who who opened up the first fight of the night on the when the whole thing started. So both of them winning by decision uh, definitely helped my FanDuel account. Nice. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good, fun heavyweight fight. Pretty much stood in front of each other the whole time, swinging hard, heavy leather at each other. Uh, both of them dazed each other. At one time, Ivanov even kind of did the chicken dance. Mm. Uh, I believe it was in the second round. Uh, but it was it was a lot of good back and forth. And, uh, you know, I, I said it uh, last week when we were talking about this card. And, you know, there's no way Ivanov's the, the 14th or 15th ranked heavyweight in the world. The guy's, the guy's clearly in the top six or seven in the world. Yeah. Uh, so. If you if you ever see his if you ever can catch it I mean it's got to be on the uh, the PFL library on their YouTube channel him versus Josh Copeland very similar like same thing almost got knocked out and almost knocked out his opponent that's why that that's the fight that sticks with me from his career that makes me think that uh, every time he's up uh, it's hard for me to pick against him well he moves to eighteen and two and you know in the heavyweight division that's a uh, that's a pretty pretty stout record. Mm -hmm. it's something where you can be have your lights put out you don't see a lot of 18 and twos uh, when it comes to heavyweight especially for somebody who's now been through ufc bellator and uh world series of fighting at the time so yeah he's you know since he got into mma he's essentially fought you know a lot of the big dogs uh across the board across a lot of organizations so i think he's only got to keep going up i mean obviously he's going to eventually run into some of the big names uh, i don't know if he's ready for a cormier i don't know if he's ready for a you know, uh, I think he would handle, you know, Lewis might be an interesting fight. If he's willing to stand in front of Lewis, I don't think he shakes off uh, some of those bigger punches. But, you know, uh, he took him from uh, Dos Santos, uh, even though he lost the decision. But definitely a, a future heavyweight and uh, some fresh blood, at least in the UFC division. That set up what uh, potentially could, you know, could set up another title fight if Al Jermaine doesn't get it. Uh, Peter Yan. Uh, pretty much dominated Jimmy Rivera. Uh, I was wrong on my prediction. Rivera didn't even try to really wrestle at all. I didn't see that. I don't really know what his game plan going in was. I feel like a lot of these guys fall in love with stand-up fighting, and and I just don't see any reason to stand-up fight against Peter Yan. And, um, I don't know. Maybe he couldn't take him down. I mean, he tried a couple times. I shouldn't say he didn't try at all, but yeah, pr pretty unsuccessful on his part. Uh, he's kind of been on a spiral. I believe he started off 20 and 0. Now he's 22 and 4. So uh, I'm not sure really where he he goes from here. But Peter Yan advances to 13 and 1 and uh, sets up a you know a couple potential uh, fun fights uh, with with either one of the guys in the main event that we'll get to. Yeah, I forgot to bring my notes with me. I know I meant to break your bowls about your picks that we were different. We differentiated on, but uh, um. That uh, I had him pick to win just because uh, I mean, uh, no, no, no offense to Rivera. I just feel like when he gets, he always gets close enough to you know title contention, and then something always happens where he loses or he just gets uh, you know, he just gets beat by by the guy that's uh, I mean, I think we're looking at another changing of the guard situation. I mean, it seems like almost every big event there's uh some newer younger 
climbing up the ladder guy pushing back somebody that's uh well known like like uh, Rivera. But um yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if they do Sterling uh Jan. I know Sterling wants to Hudo. Um but uh the way that the uh I mean, we we don't know how the UFC operates these days <laughs> as far as making fights anymore. Yeah, no, I don't know how it's going to work out. We'll just have to see. But yeah, my predictions suck. I tell everybody, don't listen to what I say. A lot of times I predict with my heart. I'll start doing my brain a little bit more. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I felt Peter Yan was the better fighter. I think I even said that. I just For some reason, I thought uh, Rivera would try to slow the fight down and, and wrestle him. But uh, Yan was able to shake him off when he tried that, so... I only do yeah. I only do hard picks with like certain fighters like the way you're talking about like you know you you just you're just a fan of them and uh, that's that like Justin Gaethje I I always pick him no matter who he fights so <laughs> I'll just pick well, him. Well, I mean, speaking of heart fighters, we might have both picked heart when we picked Donald Cerrone to, yeah, uh, to beat yeah. Tony Ferguson, <laughs> and uh, that was the next fight on the card and and after a really good first round for Cowboy, I didn't ever see the judges card, so I'm not sure if the judges gave it to him or not. They I had didn't. initially. They didn't or did? They, they did not. They did not. Uh, Amy Kaplan put a picture up of the uh, – because she was covering the event for Fansided, and she put a photo up of the of the uh, scorecards for the first two rounds, and both judges had it for Ferguson anyway. I mean, I think you and I are on the same page. I gave the first round to Cerrone and the second to Ferguson. But um, Yeah, I mean, I could have even saw the second being a 10-8 for Ferguson, but I, I definitely thought Cerrone held his own, and, and I, I thought he actually won the first round, even though it was uh, it was close. I thought he did a little bit more damage. I mean, Ferguson came out of that first round bloody, uh, and, the, and then in the second round, he basically got mauled by Ferguson, who's thrown his back elbows and and just it messed him up. And then, uh, yeah, w- one of the things that um that uh, I I said to some of the guys I was with, I was with Jeff and his brother, and um one of the things I said when we looked at them because they showed their their stats at the beginning of the fight, and uh, Ferguson's just super long limbed. And I think that's that's one of the reasons. Like you look at his last two fights, he he were, were a doctor stoppage. You know, he cut he cut Anthony Pettis, and then this thing happened with Cerrone. I mean, that was kind of Cerrone's fault with the nose blowing and all that. But, um, I mean, the thing is, like going into a fight like that, you probably know you need your oxygen. So of course, you. I mean, it's probably hard to not blow your nose. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing that one again though. Yeah, no, I know they're talking about doing it again, and I know, you know, one of the things they teach you when you're a fighter is never blow your nose, especially if you think you have some nose damage, but I see fighters do it all the time, and it, and I always kind of question why they do it, but it never really seems to come back and, and bite them in the ass. This time after yeah. the second round, Cerrone did that right before the, the bell was to ring for the third round, and it allowed a bunch of air to get into his orbital and yeah. surrounding areas, and and well, the doctor th- had to stop the fight. I think it comes from your basic need to need to breathe, especially when you're ex- physically exerting yourself. You know, I mean, they, and no, no matter what sport you're in, they always tell you in through the nose, out through the mouth. And if you can't do the in, then uh, it's hard to. I think it's. I don't care who you are. It's probably hard to fight that instinct to blow blow congestion out of your nose. Oh, no, I, there's no doubt, and I've seen a lot of guys do that. I know it happened to Eddie Alvarez in the past yeah. where it kind of screwed him up. I know it happened to uh, Damian Maya in the past that kind of screwed him up. Um, it, it's happened, and I've seen it happen in boxing, but you know, I know I see Fedor blows his nose a lot um, in his fights, watching his fights closely. He tends to, and he gets away with it. Maybe it's because he doesn't, you know, in at least some of the last few fights, he hasn't had the facial injuries going no, into the rounds to be able to, to – that would cause the – the, the swelling but i know he blows his nose i feel like uh i just feel like i see a lot of guys do it and this is one time where it, it 
didn't pay off. And I don't know if Cerrone was where he was going in that next round. Uh, he was obviously on the downside, but yeah, you know, uh, if they want to do it again, great. Truth be told, though, Ferguson hasn't lost a fight since 2012. Nobody in the history of the UFC has ever earned a title shot more than him. Uh, I saw a stat today that was kind of interesting that said uh, he hasn't lost since Cejudo had zero fights and Kamar Usman had zero fights in MMA. Oh, yeah, I saw a bunch of stuff like that. Just, yeah, like all kinds of crazy stats of how long how long he's been fighting and, and how long he has not lost in. Um, I don't know. I don't. I really don't understand who who the true matchmaker is anymore. I know there's people with the title, and Dana White talks about fights he wants to see, but... I feel like we'll see freaking Tom Cruise and Justin Bieber before we see Ferguson fight Khabib again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, perhaps. And and maybe maybe if you really want to award, award Ferguson. Now, I don't see, think he gets along great with Dana, so Dana might not want to reward him for anything. But perhaps the McGregor fight would be a fight that would actually be a bigger reward if, as far as a financial uh, chance for him. I mean, obviously getting the title is obviously sweet, uh, but I, I – a fight with McGregor would actually probably be more exciting than the, yeah. than the, the Khabib fight because I still yeah, think he gets taken down. And, and He definitely uh, needs to get a fight soon, McGregor, before people start like forgetting about the dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I've considered him a part-time fighter for about the last three years since he took the Mayweather fight. So. Yeah. Um, but that is is what it is. We'll see what happens there. Then it comes to the co-main event, uh, Feather or Flyweight Women's Championship, and this goes down as one of my worst picks of all time, probably <laughs> right behind <laughs> your Tombstone Jones pick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, after barely surviving the first round, uh and surviving it, but it being okay, Jessica I took a head kick uh, 26 seconds into the uh, second round of a five-round title fight. And, uh, whew, man, I thought uh, it was one of those ones that was kind of scary. You know, we all watch – we you know, both of us watch a ton of fights, and we see guys get knocked out all the time. But this was one where it kind of, you know, not to use a pun, but kind of caught my eye and, you know. Yeah. It caught me watching the TV for a few extra seconds, you know, kind of hoping she was going to oh, recover yeah. and get up because yeah, it didn't they, look, it just didn't look good at all. No, uh, when they take, when they take too long or take a while to get to get up and they're not turning the camera over there and stuff, you start you start wondering and getting concerned. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that like that's one thing I hate about uh like the fandom and stuff. Some people start making jokes and stuff, but I mean, when you're, I mean, we've been watching the fights for forever. Um, and you know you you have friends that train and I you know I I've trained with guys that compete and fight and stuff so uh, when I see stuff like that happen I'm I'm immediately I'm concerned for if they're not moving or if they're laying there for a while like that uh, thank God she's all right she put up an Instagram video and everything she seems like she's all right I'm sure she's got the the regular uh, you know suspensions and stuff but man whew, that was a that was a rough one yeah I mean everything I've seen she's been a good sport in in, in the loss and. and she seems to be normal, which is, uh, you know, when you get kicked like that and then you see their head bounce off the mat, that's what does it. I mean, in the look on her face when she was KO'd, you know, some people get knocked out and, and there there was just something about the look where it was kind of like, okay, this is might not be a normal knockout that we've gotten used to. Uh, mm. You know, and that, I, that's what, you know. And, it's and always talking about the worst looks on their face. I mean, for me, the worst that I've seen recently was uh, Overeem when he got when Nagano knocked him out, I mean that—that's an image that freaked me out. I thought he died. Yeah, but. no, I mean, and that's—that's that's a, a big enough guy that could kill you with one punch. And 
you know, a punch like that or, or a Shevchenko head kick is, is probably fairly similar when you start talking about yeah. the, the damage. But, you know, it's just it's a brutal sport. And uh, you like to see him bounce back. And Jessica will come back and she'll put on some good fights. I, I mean, I, I think I think Shevchenko just seems to be in a, a class of her own. And um, I just hope that this division doesn't kind of become what the 125 pound division did for a lot of Mighty Mouse's career where they start giving her fights. I mean, uh, help me out with the pronunciation. Uh, Chikugi, Chikudigan. Chikugian. Chikugian. Yeah. I mean, no offense to her. She's, uh, I think she has one career loss and I think she was undefeated as a, as an amateur. So she's like 18 and one or something combined in her career and yeah. deserves a title shot. But I don't know if, if that becomes another, uh, you know, another person that Shevchenko fights that nobody ever remembers. And that was always my thing with mighty mouses. You know, once you get past the first couple people uh, that that everybody kind of recognizes, you start fighting uh, these other girls. And I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the first thing that popped into my head is, man, I'd love to see Alimale fight Shevchenko and really find out. Oh you yeah. Know, who, who the number one is? I think Shevchenko might be a little bit too much for anybody though at this point. Yeah, uh, she seems to keep evolving, just getting better every fight. Like you see, always see something that just makes her. It just like I don't know what she's doing differently in training, but. It, Ever since she got that submission win, um, I forgot who she submitted with that armbar triangle combination. But I was like, this this chick's getting, she's just getting better. I mean, maybe maybe that's why she just doesn't. She's Juliana Pena. Yeah, yeah, that one. So. Denver main event, but yeah, yeah, I, I just it feels like she just is is, you know, uh, I mean, if it was a guy, we'd say he's like manning up on these guys or he's daddying these people, and she just kind of seems to do that, you know, she seems able to shake off everybody's attempts to take her down and uh and, and then her striking is just a uh, pinpoint really it's it's become fun to watch and i'd almost like to see uh you know if she gets another win or two in this division maybe she gets a shot at, at amanda again if nunez is still hanging around uh back at 135 it might be a might be a super fight at that point i know they fought twice and nunez has squeaked a couple decisions but i feel like shevchenko that we've seen in the last four or five fights is a is a little bit different fighter so she remains uh, the champ, and uh, we'll see where that goes from here. Brings us to the main event, Henry Cejedo, Marlon Marais. Maybe, perhaps another fight we picked with our heart. Uh, I honestly thought that uh, Cejudo was uh, swimming in too deep of water for him. Uh, I thought he was a good fighter. I, I, I did think he beat Mighty Mouse in, in their fight. Uh, he obviously got cocky, then he knocked out uh, Dillashaw and really got cocky and kind of turned off some of us old-school fans that aren't necessarily into that that game too much but uh there's not really much you can say now after uh after weathering the early storm and looking like he was going to get finished uh he's clearly established himself uh, he finishes Mares 451 into round three yeah uh, tko i mean i don't know what else to say he stood with Mares for an entire basically three rounds and uh, and got and got his legs destroyed and just kind it. of kind of ignored it I mean, with an injury coming in and and uh just like you know Focus through. I guess that's what that's what separates the Olympians from the regular athletes of the world, man. I mean, the fact that he I, I remember uh, actually Jeff was the one that noticed was like, why is he wearing those ankle uh, supports? Because, you know, he, he's never worn them before. And I was just assumed I was like, oh, maybe just his ankles bother him when he drives in for a shot. And then come to find out that it was to hide that uh, the ankle injury that was uh, uh, that people were that he was denying that uh, actually. uh Kowal, uh, my editor from my MMA News, uh, reported first that people were trying to say it wasn't the case, and he ignored it. But uh, obviously, that was uh, that was something that he would just he just ignored and 
and uh, follow through. So, yeah, can't ignore the guy now. No, I mean, he established himself. Now he's a double champion, 125, 135. Not sure what will happen with the 125-pound class, but, uh, you know, can't deny he's one of the all-time greats, really. I mean, I hate to say all-time greats. He's still – statistically, he's right there, but obviously he has to have some of the fights. I think I think I think a couple of title defenses will will solidify that, but he's already talking about going to 145, and it's like I mean these these guys can't keep winning belts and not defending their titles. You no, know? and I and I I agree with that. However, uh, if he's not fighting Jan or Sterling, um, I don't really you know I've never heard a guy call out two retired fighters basically, and and somebody who's been KO'd three times in a row in his post fight. That was that was kind of weird for him to for him to call out Faber, Cruz, and Garbrandt yeah. is uh, was kind of weird to me. I, you know, I was I was jokingly saying why didn't he just call out Jessica? I, I mean, she's clearly, <laughs> she's clearly ready to step in there. Yeah. I mean, she just got KO'd, right? So well, if, Garbrandt, I mean, if Garbrandt's good to go, then I'm sure Jessica I is too. They don't call him cringe for nothing these days. So, I mean, I I really think he might need a PR. And with his new money, he should hire some type of PR team or something because some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I'm just like, all right, Henry, you're making us look bad. And as a Mexican guy, you're making the Mexicans look bad. Let Andy Ruiz talk for you. <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, two-division two champ now. Uh, I'd watch him in Holloway fight. It's, it's, I mean, he needs to defend his titles, obviously. If they if they wax the 125-pound division and – and uh, him and Holloway can work it out, then I watch it. I mean, I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm going to be done doubting Cejudo at this point, I, you know, yeah. until he proves that, you know, he's uh, not able to do it. But his striking has become world class, which is really weird to say uh, with his clinch game and his knees. And I mean, he's, it's a, he's a fun fighter to watch now. And there was a time where he was kind of a blanket early in his career, but, uh, you know, it's kind of shocking. So it's, I, yeah. I haven't really quite got over it because I really didn't think he was going to get through Marlon. No, nobody did. I mean, you and me both. I had money on Marlon to win by KO. Yeah, well, no, we both thought that was going to happen. But yeah. that brings us to uh, this weekend now and probably the – well, I shouldn't say probably. I believe this to be the, the most stacked Bellator card in their company's history. Yeah. And uh, very well might be the deepest card in all of MMA so far in, in 2019. Yeah, uh, uh, hard to I, deny that. I, you know, we uh, so it, it's two, hard to even go through the whole card, to be honest. Yeah, with you. I mean, it is. I mean, even the stuff on the undercard. I mean, there's just, just. Uh, I'm just gonna. Some of the names on the undercard are Aaron Pico, Heather Hardy, Valerie Laredo, who they threw on last minute. Um, I think she's fighting that the the Hooters girl that they keep uh, Larkin Dash that they keep on showing all over uh, social media. Uh, Mike Kimball's on there. A lot of East Coast favorites are on there. Um, Actually connected to this, uh, the audio version of this podcast, I've got interviews with two of the main card fighters, bantamweight champion uh, Darren Caldwell will be on here, and um, Ricky Bandejas, uh, who's also he's fighting Patrick Mix on the main card. So um, he's also from Jersey, uh, fights out of Nicotone MMA. So uh, check those out after we're done here. But uh, yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a long night. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Laredo's the first fight of the night, and the, and then uh, Rena Cabuto. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm not looking at the exact. Uh, oh no, there's way more. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. not the first fight. Yeah, they haven't but, uh, listed on it, but yeah. uh, but the but they bounce around. It, it some of these will probably end up being post limbs. 
especially considering that there's some actual talent here and we're probably not going to see a lot of, you know, 42nd submission wins and, and knockouts. But um, like I said, Rena comes over from Bell or from Ryzen. Yeah. Uh, you so, said so Pico there's... Hardy, Gozali, big uh, Israeli fighter in, in the undercard as well. So, uh, but the the main card is does the action doesn't slow down at all. Um, surprisingly, the opening main card bout Darian Caldwell, uh, bantamweight champion, yeah. challenges Bella or I'm sorry, Ryzen, uh, uh, <laughs> bantamweight champion. Uh, Kyoji Horiguchi, uh, Caldwell 12 and 2, Horiguchi an amazing 27 and 2. Uh, Horiguchi had defeated Caldwell on New Year's Eve show in 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 I keep saying Bellator in Ryzen to uh, to win the Ryzen uh, bantamweight title. Who man, I uh, that's a hell of a fight. It's a hell of a fight, but uh, I mean Caldwell didn't do bad in that fight in that first time around. So I think uh, I think maybe uh, I mean when I spoke to him and you'll hear the interview um, at the end of this he uh, he even said like like it was just, it was New Year's Eve and and they were up for a while and and um, you know just just there was it, it wasn't stress or or mental pressure but he definitely uh, having ha- being on his own time he's in his own town he's already been doing stuff and uh, he's hosting wrestling clinics in uh, Rawway New Jersey even after for for residents of the town so he's like obviously. He's uh he's feeling the that the surge of uh, adrenaline and stuff he's gonna get from the crowd, I think. And plus, it's it's in the cage that he's used to too. So I think um, I don't know. I think I actually think he can take. I think he can uh, win this time. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty successful in the Ryzen fight. Um, he had trouble with the ring. This fight going into the cage. You know, I say I'm not gonna pick with my heart, but I'm actually gonna go with Horiguchi by a late finish. I mm. think that. Uh, I think Caldwell will probably dominate for the first two and a half to three rounds. I'm not sure unless Horiguchi has the kind of the opposite or, you know, has the, is comes over a sluggish or has any kind of uh, flight issues or anything. I don't know if Caldwell can hold him down for five rounds mm. and I don't see him finishing Horiguchi. I don't think he submits him. I don't think he TKOs him. I think either Caldwell wins a, a decision by using his wrestling and kind of yeah. controlling the fight or or Horiguchi survives the first three, uh, three and a half rounds. Caldwell gets a little gassed out, and uh, Horiguchi catches him. So, you know, kind of going with my heart. I I don't really want to see a boring decision. So I'm gonna go with Horiguchi uh, early fifth round uh, TKO finish. Well, I mean, obviously I want fights to finish early since I got to catch a train back home. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean uh i i i i'm picking caldwell and i i do i think uh the likelihood of him getting a decision is more likely so i'll stick with that um there's obviously there's 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 one two three four there's six fights on the main card um so we won't go through all of them but uh like the fights of note are obviously that one um, obviously, I said Ricky Bandejas is on there. He's fighting an undefeated uh, fighter, Patrick Mix. Uh, we were saying before we started recording, I don't know much about Mix, but uh, Bandejas actually kind of has a reputation for say, breaking the uh, undefeated uh, records of fighters. Like he beat James Gallagher. Um, there's the guys he beat in uh, CFFC. So um, I think it's a, that, that's probably why it's on the main card. Yeah, I mean he's an exciting fighter. I think uh, I like we agree we don't know a lot about Mix, 10 and 0, uh king of the cage fighter. 
I, I think Ben Dejas, based on what I know about him and have seen him fight, I think he'll probably win this fight based on experience. I honestly thought that at worst he probably had a draw against Archuleta in his last fight. So I think he's perhaps more world-class. Mix might come out and surprise us all, but um, I'll take Ben Dejas. I'll assume Mix is a tough guy based on his record, and I'll take Ben Dejas by three-round decision. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, everybody's focused on um, Lyoto Machida and Chael Sonnen. I mean, they were initially going to be the main event. They switched him to co-main event. Um, that's actually a tough one to call for me. I don't know about you. I mean, I I feel like uh, pressure pressure and, and and relentless attack can, can uh, side, you know, obviously I'm a fan of Chael, but, but um, you know, Machida just needs one, one hole to draw, to plug somebody in the liver or, or, you know, catch you on the jaw and knock you out. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something that's hard to call for me. Uh, well, let's see here. So with, with Sonnen, it's hard. You don't know what Sonnen's necessarily going to show up. I won't count the Fedor loss against him. That's a fight that he probably shouldn't have even been in, to be truthfully honest. He put up a good fight for four minutes in that fight, but he, that was a fight he's just never going to win. It never part of his career is he going to win that fight at heavyweight. Uh, prior to that, then, he has a, a, a win over Quentin Jackson that was a little bit boring, and then he, he dominated Vanderlei Silva uh, last year, or well, two years ago now in New York City. Um <sighs> You know, this is one where I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to go with my brain. My heart wants me to pick Machida. I'm going to say my brain. Sonnen's able to get him down and probably wins a fairly boring decision. I don't see this being in, in a five round fight. I'd take Machida for the same reason I'm taking Horiguchi. Uh, I think you would eventually catch Sonnen in a three round fight. I think, you know, Sonnen is about five takedowns uh, away from basically grinding out a decision win. So I'll take Sonnen by three round decision. Uh, mainly wrestling perhaps some ground and pound uh i don't see a submission i don't necessarily see a tko unless uh unless he catches machida surprisingly on the on the feet and, and drops and uh you know kind of like a uh, you know and able to get some kind of guillotine or something on but uh, I'll, I'll go with sonnen by my decision yeah i mean i think if he can avoid any significant damage he can take a decision as well I don't know. I feel like Machida, his footwork isn't what it used to be. And um, that's probably where Chael can capitalize and make him run enough to get him, make him run and back away enough to get him against the cage and get him, you know, take him down. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go uh, Sonnen by decision as well. That brings us to the main event, Walter White Grand Prix semifinal, uh, as well as the Walter White World title fight. Uh, defending champion Rory McDonald coming off a draw against John Fitch uh, faces Neiman Gracie who uh, defeated uh, Ed Ruth in his first round matchup. Uh, you know, I said it after the last performance by McDonald. I'm going to go with Gracie. I was not impressed with what I saw out of Rory in his last fight. I don't know where his heart set necessarily. Uh, he seemed to have trouble. I realized Gracie might not have er, – I shouldn't say might. I doubt he's going to have the uh, the wrestling ability uh, of John Fitch able to get McDonald down. But I don't really. I'm I'm struggling now. Unless it's a five round boring kind of 
jab fest from McDonald. I'm struggling <laughs> to see necessarily how McDonald's able to beat Gracie at this point. I feel like if it ends up at the on the ground at some point in a five round fight, Gracie's going to get him in a in a bad position. And uh, from what we've seen from Neiman so far, he he doesn't struggle finishing people when he gets them in a in a negative position on the ground. Yeah, and Neiman's. Uh, uh, I think one thing people are forgetting too. When it comes to uh, Neiman's, especially, I mean, he's he's big for uh, welterweight. Um, he actually he actually I believe he started his career at middleweight, and he's been fighting at welterweight now uh, when he renewed his contract with Bellator. So, um, and having having been in the same space as both uh, McDonald and and Gracie, um, like I can tell you for a fact that that physically, from what I remember anyway, Gracie's a bit the bigger dude, and. Um, I, I I have a feeling, especially fighting again so soon, that uh, McDonald's gonna have issues with with not only uh, Gracie if they if they clinch up and start grappling, I mean the the pressure and stuff might might be much a bit much for him. Plus, I mean you can't ignore the comments that he made the last time uh, after the Fitch, uh, you know the Fitch fight I should say because it was like a you know the draw or whatever, whatever happened that they had him moving forward. Um, you know, you gotta wonder. You gotta wonder if his mind's in the right spot to to even pull off a win, which seems to be an issue. Uh, something we keep hearing a lot of these days with fighters that, uh, you know, like guys that are t- announcing retirement or they're just losing interest in, in the sport. Um, yeah. So I mean, if the competitive drive is not what it used to be, um, he might he might not hold on to that belt on uh, Friday night. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Be the first Gracie champion uh it's been 25 years since hoist gracie won ufc4 and it's been 24 years since henzo gracie uh was crowned a champion at uh, world combat championship uh that was in like 1995 i believe so uh it'd be interesting it would be cool to see a gracie back on top of the, the mma world in the division and uh and i think it would set up an interesting fight with uh with lima uh, on the other side so but uh, that kind of wraps up our predictions and our uh, our follow-ups on last weekend's event. Uh, fans can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter. Follow me at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. You can catch Ed at Carbizol on Twitter, at Carbeerzol on Instagram. Uh, stay tuned. Ed catches up with Darian Caldwell and uh, Ricky Bendejas before their big fights this Saturday, live on DAZN. Friday. For, it's Friday. Friday. <laughs> thrown off now. It's a big event. Usually we yeah. do it on Saturday. Yeah. Friday, uh, June 14th. 14th. There you go. June 14th, Friday, DAZN. Uh, full card, prelims and main card. Uh, yeah, New make York sure you, City. Yep, Madison Square Garden. Make sure you're following... Uh, I'm I'm uh, covering the event for Sure Dog, so make sure you're following Sure Dog. And if you're not following me on Twitter, uh, Matt already threw out my uh, my uh, handle at Carbazel. And uh, always, uh, if if you guys like what you're listening to, uh, support links are always in the YouTube descriptions and on the descriptions of the podcast, the audio podcast. And uh, I hope you like uh, what uh, Bandejas and Caldwell have to say because uh, there's a couple of Jersey boys fighting fighting in the garden. It's a big deal. All right, Ed. Till next time, enjoy yourself. Be safe out there in uh, in crazy ass New York City, and uh, <laughs> forward to talking to you after the event. Yeah, only thing missing is you, Matt. P- Pensies yeah. is looking for their 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 quarterly uh, deposit for beer deposit. <laughs> <laughs> they took a hit this year so far. 
<laughs> All right, man. All right. I'm speaking with Darren Caldwell, Bellator Bantamweight champion, who is getting a quick chance at running it back against Kyoji Horiguchi. How does it feel? It feels good, man. Just uh, trying to turn the last day this camp and then ready to rock and roll June 14. So, um, having just fought him not that long ago, like, what do you what are you bringing with you from that fight into this fight? I'm just gonna bring a, a, a little bit more ferociousness, a little bit uh, more pressure, and uh, so drop a few more elbows, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're, you're pretty much controlling it most of the way. I mean, I mean, it's easy to say that when it comes to striking and submissions, I mean, you, you can always get caught, and, and it looks like that's what happened the last time. Uh, is, is that is that pretty much how you took it uh, afterwards? Absolutely. Uh, you know, looking back at the fight, you know, he, he had some, some uh, he had a little bit of offense going up on his feet, but, I, you know, I was able to negate it and, and, and take him down and, and beat him up a little bit on the, on the ground, so uh, I think I was definitely losing rounds. I was winning both rounds, you know. Uh, you know it's just, just some positional errors that uh, I had a mental, mental lapse, and it will happen again. Do you think uh, just like going to Japan and stuff and fighting in the in the arena over there might have had uh, had you off your game a, just a little bit? Oh, uh, uh, well, maybe, maybe. You know, uh, I know I was there. I was at the arena for like three times longer than I, I would be uh, at a Bellator fight. You know, little to no rest. You know, yeah. every time I try to rest, you know, that's what's happening. You know, I'm, my my pattern was all thrown off. You know, so that third round wasn't well, def- definitely wasn't the best in this You know, but uh, it, it happens. You know, yeah, in my head, head on it. Um, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, you know, I was there with the Japan fans. Like they're they're quiet, and you know, it's, it, whereas in America it's almost like a party. You know, like people are uh, chanting and, and screaming and stuff. But I'm like, what you didn't realize it was actually a party going on when before the fight. You know, so we were damn near partying. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, like blow up, like fucking Teletubbies and shit, walking around, playing around. Like you know, it was like a party. It was, you know, it was uh what New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Right? So it's a yeah. big deal, you know. But uh, I was, I, was, I, I did my best to, you know, stay, keep my nerves down, stay calm, and you know, focus on the task at hand, you know. But uh, I think in that third round, you see, uh, my focus kind of went there. So yeah, um, you t- you talked about uh, uh, like the the party atmosphere and stuff. I it, it's hard for me to actually not bring it up being from New Jersey myself um, fighting in the garden I mean what kind of fan base are you bringing to, to the garden on June 14th I'm bringing the hood out yeah, <laughs> you know that you know that like, that's definitely going down you know uh, everybody's from Jersey who, um, who I keep in contact and no, I'm not trying to keep up my career and everything still not be there you know I expect that the place to be packed out with, with fans that, and friends and families and you know want to see me go in there and put on a good performance and jump on that's exactly what I'm doing 
Yeah, man, because um, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're well aware of from from your wrestling when you were coming from. Uh, I know you're from Rawway. Um, like people, you know, people talk about how how maybe not that many fans or casual fans are aware are aware of Bellator, but everybody around here in Jersey knows who Darian Caldwell is and, and what title he holds. So um, I, I'm pretty sure people are going to be surprised at at, uh, at the crowd that comes in from Jersey. It's only like a 40 minute uh, train ride too for for a lot of us. I don't even think they know what type of what's about to go down they don't, they don't know I got real fans out on the east coast like you know like we out here like you know we're gonna be in the building you know the Wolfpack gonna be in the building so um, I'm gonna go make it happen like I'm gonna go put my hands elbows and feet and knees on this man like, you know, <laughs> just like you do like I'm not going out there to play like I mean I'm I'm, I'm gonna lay by the door sword and die by the sword I'm ready to go yeah, no, I mean, uh, a lot of people are looking forward to it, and, and uh, no better place than Madison Square Garden. So, um, what do you, uh, uh, as as far as fighting there, I mean, it's, it's kind of like your, this is your home turf now, fighting in the garden. I mean, um, is that, I don't know if it's, uh, what type of energy is that giving you versus, you know, having to go to Japan and, and fighting in an arena over there? Well, the focus, at the end of the day, the focus is going to be the focus, you know, there won't be any energy dumps to where I'm, uh, where I'm like, so hyped up to where, you know, the fight comes, when the sports comes out, and I'm fucking tired. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But just imagine, you know, what's going to happen is just imagine being home at a football game, you got a home game, or a wrestling match, you got a home match, you know, that, that the energy that you feed off the crowd, you know, it's going to fuel you, your, your adrenaline, that, 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 that comes from, you know, 100% to 150%, you know, so you work off 150% as opposed to his, his 100%, so, you know, expect, uh, expect me to really come, come in to 14, and really get at it, like, yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, I think there's a lot of things in your favor. The fact that he's coming this way to to face you, and uh, talking about that is was that uh, a done deal? Like as as like how soon after? I, I know they had already talked about. I mean, Scott Coker was already excited about this, this this fight the first time since before he officially announced it. I spoke to him. I think it was in October before it even was announced, and uh, his eyes lit up just talking about it. So. Um, how soon was uh, the rematch set up? Well, we're gonna call it, you know. Uh, young, uh, I think if I that fight, I probably would have been a champion in the league. Rematch, just because you know, pretty long winning streak, and then I would try to say, you know, uh, I would try to say, you know, people in, you know, it's not. You're still guiding me up. You think they got the better guys, and guys are right. You think they got the better guys, and come on and improve it, come on, you know. And so I think that's what I was doing. I think that was on the cause, you know. So. Yeah, because he got a little. Uh, obviously, he was already he was already talking about coming and fighting you for your belt almost immediately after that fight in Japan, which I'm sure riled you up right away too. So um, I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, the crowd that you're bringing in, like you said, the the, the culture is different, uh, especially in, in New York City, Madison Square Garden. He he he's probably going to be uh, he's probably going to be in for a rude awakening. Um, is there um is there anything you're doing? I know you train out in California. Uh, is there anything that you've done different, or are you going to do any 
do any uh, uh, training differently when you're closer or back home in the East Coast? No, I'm not doing anything different. No, I'm just stick to the course and uh, go out there and smash his head. Like, he's a big <laughs> head, so he got a nice little target at the top on. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I, I appreciate your time, Darian. Again, uh, I'm excited to see the fight. I mean, uh, for, for us here in Jersey, I mean, that's, that's the main event. So, um, looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. You already know, man. Thank you. Okay. Take care. All right. So this is, uh, Ricky Bandeja's interview for SureDog.com. Uh, Ricky, uh, we're only like a week away from a big fight, uh, Bellator 222. Um, you're facing uh, undefeated Patrick Mix. Uh, talk about how it feels. You're fighting in Madison Square Garden. Um, it feels awesome. You know, Madison Square Garden is the mecca of fighting, boxing, MMA. And it's nice regionally. I'm, I'm from New Jersey, so it's within the tri-state, not too far as traveled. And my, all the friends, you know, my supporters, fans, it's uh, family good to go. Yeah, so you mentioned not too far to travel. You're you're from Jersey, right? Yes. I don't know if Bellator is doing it on purpose, but I feel like I'm interviewing all the Jersey fighters because they know I'm from Jersey. But um, so <laughs> obviously, like, so around on the East Coast, especially in Jersey, I mean, a lot of fight fans know you from your days in CFFC. Um, obviously, uh, Bellator has been pumping out the the highlight reel of you handing James Gallagher his first loss. Um, do you think you're going to uh, be able to replicate that on June 14th? I'm hoping, man. Uh, I'm going to go out there and uh, definitely give it my best. Hopefully get back in that wind column while we're at it. So are you, um, you, you still train out at Nicotone MMA? Yes, still at Nicotone MMA in Burke, New Jersey. All right. Um, so I would imagine um, you, you guys are all excited. Uh, I mean, so you guys cross-train a lot with Almeidas and all them, right? Yeah, so it's just crazy how how many guys from New York and New Jersey, I mean, just the East Coast, Connecticut, that they have on this card. Um, I mean, I know Bellator usually does a good job of that, but, I mean, you, you mentioned you got a lot of friends and family coming up. Uh, when I spoke to Darren Caldwell, he said the same. So, I mean, like, how many, uh, how, ma- how big a crowd are you bringing in from Jersey to the Garden? Uh, easily 300 people. You'll wow. see about, you know, t-shirt, 300 t-shirts saying Padejas. Wow, um, that's crazy. <laughs> so, so, yeah, um... I'm excited. to go on. Let's hope we win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, how are you feeling? Uh, it's like I said, it's only a week away. How are you feeling? Like, how's camp going? Uh, everything went great. You know, we're, you know, we're on track, right to plan. Just got to lose some weight. Other than that, you know, stars are alive. Now we just got to go out and execute. So, um, like the week of the fights, obviously, uh, you know, there's there's media and there's a lot of stuff to do leading up to it. Is there any? Is there anything? I mean, obviously, because of where it is, do you feel any additional pressure um, going into fight uh, nah. fight night? No, nah, I don't. I don't feel no pressure. The only pressure I put is, uh, you know, on myself to get back to the win call. Other than that, and hopefully get the finish. But other than that, you know. None of that stuff. Media, family, local shows, big show. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, I mean, you've been you've been doing it for a while already. Um, so, like, 
I don't know if you saw after, so I mentioned how they're sending that highlight reel out for a view of finish, get, handing Gallagher his first loss. Is this like, uh, is that the first time that you've uh, handed a loss to an undefeated fighter? Uh, no, I think I got two, maybe three, possibly four. Uh, zeros I took, maybe four, I think. Um, if you look at my record, I'm always fighting. I'm always trying to fight the best. You know, at 4 0. I know one time it's 4 0 versus 4 0. We end up knocking that guy out. So we definitely always, we find a lot of guys. Oh, they're one. They have one more. Yeah, so so I'm I'm just wondering because uh, I mean that just the uh, you said there's no pressure, but obviously uh, your opponent's undefeated and, and the venue and everything. I mean, when you think about obviously New Jersey's history in the sport goes back further probably than any other state because um, we were like the first ones to have it uh, le- professionally legal, and then uh, you know New York is relatively new to the sport. So I'm just I, I was just wondering if that any of that got factored into your training or, or does it just motivate you even more? Uh, yeah, no pressure. If anything, you know, it's puts a little more fuel in the tank, you know, get the little fire going. But it's, it's no um, no added stress. So if, if uh, when folks ask you, like when you first started training and stuff, I mean, what would you say is your biggest strength uh, when you're fighting? I mean, there's, there's always the jiu-jitsu guy, a wrestling, boxing. Like, what's your biggest strength? Uh, my biggest strength coming up was wrestling, you know. It's a, it kills, and I hear some interviews with guys at Bellator, where they say that, like, I, I'm a good striker and I have good stand-up, but everybody tends to forget. My first six, seven fights, all I did was wrestle a guy, you know, take him down, beat him up, get him tired, and finish him. So amateur, all I did was just take people down. You know, I have really good scrambles. You know, you can see an Archuleta fight, you know, a couple of takedown defense. So people are, they, I guess that's a good thing, you know, people are starting to think I'm a stand-up guy. So I guess that's just involved yeah, I mean the um, the 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 shot you caught Gallagher with, uh, you did that right straight, uh, right straight, and then uh, you did a, like a lead leg sidekick. Um, I was actually gonna wonder if, I mean, growing up in Jersey, you had to take at least a couple of Taekwondo classes when you were a kid, right? No, never took any of that. Oh wow! I didn't sign up for any mixed martial arts until I graduated high school. Oh wow! So you're just natural at it. I mean, yeah, I guess, I, guess I'm, I had a call for the sidekick, especially. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, do, you, do you work, uh, like, boxing and striking stuff with Mark Henry and those guys, too, or no? No, I just, I strictly work under uh, Nick Cotone. He's more a striking coach, wrestling. Uh, and then, like, I'll tag in for people for jiu-jitsu and stuff. Like, uh, Sean Tentella has been helping me this camp because uh, he's a black belt. He's really slick on the ground. And um, that's pretty much it. You know, if I need guys like we'll find them to help box and spar depending on who we're fighting yeah i mean it just seems to be very popular in new jersey just guys cross training at different gyms um i mean the, the talent pool is very deep when it comes to wrestling and and uh, uh uh gyms that that train for combat sports so um i mean uh what do you know about mix coming into it outside of his undefeated record um i know he's tough you know I don't think he ever lost his amateur either. Um, he'll be the first tall guy I fight. You know, everybody's significantly shorter than me. Uh, Southpaw, I think this is the second Southpaw I fought. And uh, I know he wants to get to the ground, and he has really good submission. He's looking to get your back and choke you out. Is that, uh, uh, were you saying it's the second Southpaw? Was that an issue for you for the first one? Did it, did it bother you? No, I don't think so. And 
you know, this camp, I've been doing nothing but sparring with uh, Southpaw, so I'll definitely be ready for that. Cool. I mean, it seems like uh, I wonder where the stigma comes from that people say that. I mean, if if it seems if you train for it, I guess it shouldn't bother you that much. Are you naturally? I guess you're naturally an orthodox fighter. Yes, that's correct. So um, when it comes to your striking, I mean, uh, just because uh, I, I I watched a couple of your last fights, um, do you think do you, do you are you like a, a leg kick guy? Like like obviously you got the high kick on Gallagher, but I mean. Do you just like fill in the holes where they leave them, or, or well, how would you say is your your Muay Thai boxing? Um, I guess yeah, I like to throw. Definitely, a lot of guys at gyms are unorthodox. You know, I like to throw, you know, kicks from wherever I can, throw my hands wherever, you know, knees, whatever I see an opening for. I like arch we call it a big knee. Um, you know, it depends on what the guy does. I feel comfortable pretty much throwing anything though. All right. I mean, um, there's there's got to be. Uh, I, I, have you uh, have you walked by the garden since you, you got the call for the fight and checked out like the promotional no. stuff they have? No, I haven't done any of that. I have Google though. You know the inside of what you know what it looks like on fight night. So really excited. I'm pumped up for it, and you know something I could chuck up on the uh, the to do list. Are you going to, I mean, obviously, uh, the, I mean, it's going to be a big deal that the, every time Bellator comes to the Garden or any MMA promotion, for that matter, for all the all the fight fans on the East Coast, it's always a big deal, and they're stacking it pretty well. Are you going to, uh, I mean, do you post stuff on social media, like training footage, hype stuff, anything like that? Yeah, I like to, you know, know it's been closer to fight. I like to, uh, you know, post more into social media and stuff. My, my wife thinks I need to post more, you know. I never really had a following, so I, only, I just started getting a following. So, you know, sometimes you got to remember, not everybody wants to see your kids all day, you know. They want to see you training and fighting. So my wife says i got to cut this shit out with the kids. So well, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, do you think um, do you think the following uh, spiked when you got the win over Gallagher? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I just was a regional guy from New Jersey just – beating up regional talent and then after that fight you know I think I had 2,000 followers and I had 12 or 13 and you know people my name is relevant you know and let's hope it stays that way yeah definitely I mean um, just real quick about talking about the, that because they're showing the highlight reel on social media um, Gallagher called for a rematch but it looks like he moved on and you moved on past that fight but uh, if it presents itself are you are you down for the rematch for that? Yeah, absolutely. Man. Just, if, you know, if I get the win here, I would have no problem fighting Gallagher. And I think they said they're going to Dublin in September. So I think that would uh, a lot of fight fans would love to see that, me, Rosanne. And uh, his hometown. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be, uh, I mean, that would be something. That would be something for sure. So, all right. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Ricky Bandejas, thank you so much for the time. Um, I'll let you get back to it. And uh, Beltor 222, June 14th, Madison Square Garden. Uh, looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy weekend. You too. Hey, guys. Ed here. East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions, and in some, the links are also provided on our YouTube channel. 
the blog board jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout on the podcast. Maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.